If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This morning we'll be looking at verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. If you do not have your Bible, then you can turn in the Pew Bible to page 902. 902 in the Pew Back Bible. And uh, if you do not have a Bible, then I invite you to take that Pew Bible with you. And that's our gift to you. Everyone should have a copy of God's Word, and so we want everyone who comes into these into this church to at least leave with a copy of God's Word. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7 is where we are this morning, talking about the nature of spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts have been a, a topic of interest in the church for, for many, many, many years, it has been a particular topic of interest in the church since the whole Pentecostal movement that started back in the 19, or early 1900s. Uh, some people get very excited when you start talking about spiritual gifts. It's something that very well interests them. Other people <laughs> start getting a little nervous. Uh, sometimes we Baptists, we start getting a little bit nervous when we start talking about spiritual gifts, if we're honest. Uh, it's important that we understand spiritual gifts, though. We need to understand spiritual gifts and how they are used in the church. We need to understand their place in the church because they have their place in the church. Now, there are a lot of misunderstandings about the spiritual gifts. Some, of course, overemphasize them, especially the miraculous gifts. Others underemphasize them. Uh, kind of just kind of let's not talk about those but we need to understand the gifts and we need to then use them as God intended the spiritual gifts to be used in the life of the church so we need to understand what the Bible says about spiritual gifts to start off we need to understand what spiritual gifts are what are spiritual gifts now, in a nutshell, just kind of a, a definition, my own broad definition that I've kind of gained from this text here is this, spiritual gifts are God's gift to the church for the ministry of the gospel. Spiritual gifts are God's gift to the church for the ministry of the gospel. That's just kind of in a nutshell what spiritual gifts are. Now, to get more specific, to kind of def define that def definition a little bit better, we need to get more specific. And so today, we're going to be a little more specific. We need, need to understand the nature of spiritual gifts, the nature of spiritual gifts. So today, we're going to look at six characteristics, yes, six characteristics of spiritual gifts, six characteristics of spiritual gifts that we see here in this little part of a paragraph so I hope that when we leave here today that that you have a better understanding of spiritual gifts and how they are to be used in the church now last week we kind of introduced the the topic of spiritual gifts we're going to be in talking about spiritual gifts for a while now this Paul talks about spiritual gifts chapter 12 chapter 13 and halfway through chapter 14 so he spends a lot of time on spiritual gifts in this this letter and so we're going to spend quite a bit of time on those last week we introduced the topic 
as we looked at understanding spiritual things. So we kind of had this broader category of spiritual things. We need to understand spiritual things. We need to be able to discern spiritual things because not all spiritual things are from God. There are a lot of, of imitations out there. There are a lot of counterfeits. Uh, uh, Satan and all of his demons, uh, they are in the, the business of counterfeiting the things of God. That's why we, we call you know the Antichrist, right? He is Christ-like in the sense that he is a counterfeit of Christ. That's Satan's counterfeit of Christ that is to come. Well, there's other counterfeits. Satan has many counterfeits where he mimics the things that God is doing to try to lead people away from God. So we need to understand spiritual things to be able to discern spiritual things. And as we learn more and more about spiritual gifts, we should be able to tell uh, the difference between the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and those counterfeits that we often see in the world. So in Corinth, in Corinth, there is an abuse of spiritual gifts. Uh, There's some members in this church at Corinth who are abusing spiritual gifts, especially, we'll see this later on, they're especially abusing the gift of speaking in tongues and prophecy. They're doing that to exalt themselves and not Christ. So they're abusing those, and Paul's going to address that later, but he's got to build up to that. So today we're, we're looking at the nature of spiritual gifts. He's going to kind of define spiritual gifts for us. So as we look at our text then, if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's word. Starting in verse 4, sorry, I said 7. Ending with 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of His holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So six characteristics of spiritual gifts. The first characteristic of spiritual gifts is this. Spiritual gifts are diversely distributed among the saints. Spiritual gifts are diversely distributed among the saints. They're diversely distributed. Now we see this in this little term here, varieties. Three times Paul talks about varieties, varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. All of these little phrases here have to do with spiritual gifts, as we're going to see as we move through this. But he's talking about their, their varieties. This term varieties carries the idea of being diversely apportioned or distributed. So, so there's this dual idea. Uh, this dual idea here of diversity or multiplicity and apportioning or dividing out. So these kind of two ideas in this one term. So they're, they're diverse gifts. There are diversity of gifts. That is, they're numerous. 
there are numerous spiritual gifts. There's not just one spiritual gift. There's not just a handful of spiritual gifts. They are numerous. Now, here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we're going to move through, and next week we'll kind of get into some of the specifics of the spiritual gifts, so we'll kind of list some of the spiritual gifts. In chapter 12, Paul lists 13, I counted 13 spiritual gifts in this chapter. All right, over in, and back in Romans chapter 12, he, he lists a different set. He, he lists seven spiritual gifts. Some of them are the same, some of them are a little bit different. There he, he adds, I think, generosity, mercy, and uh, there was one other that I just forgot. But uh, there's a few other. Peter, he, he talks about a couple of different spiritual gifts in First Peter. If you begin to go through the New Testament, working through the New Testament, you can kind of pick out even more spiritual gifts along the way. One author, he came up with something like 24, 25 different spiritual gifts that are kind of alluded to in the New Testament. Uh, we have the place assessment tool that we use at, here at the church that when a, a person comes and wants to join the church, uh, I give them that place assessment tool. And then that assessment tool is a spiritual gifts assessment. We've even done that on uh, some, one of, some of our night services, and some of you have taken that same assessment tool. And in that assessment tool, that spiritual gifts assessment, it recognizes 16 of the, the major spiritual gifts, the, the most predominant spiritual gifts in the church. But we need to understand that there are numerous gifts, and I don't even think that that list of 16 can really do justice to all the spiritual gifts that God gives to the church. Uh, they're multifaceted. There are many spiritual gifts, some that we haven't really identified and defined, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit can't be limited to a, a list that we come up with. If God really wanted us to know every single spiritual gift that, that we have that are, that are available or whatever, however you want to say it, then he would say, here are the spiritual gifts. One, two, three, four, five, six, you know, on down the line there. But he doesn't do that. He, he reveals some of them to us in Scripture. Uh, but then there's kind of a, it's it just kind of left. Right? There's some that's just out there that we don't really understand. I think there's more spiritual gifts that are given to the church than just are listed in Scripture. So there's multitudes of spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. Uh, and in that, then there's also multiple ways those gifts manifest in different people. So you even think about the gift of evangelism. We talk about the gift of evangelism. Some people have the gift of evangelism, but some people have it in a different respect than others, right? Uh, so you have Billy Graham. He has the gift of evangelist, but he was a revivalist. So, so he was gifted in such a way that he could preach the gospel to multitudes, and he saw just multitudes upon multitudes of conversions in his life through his preaching. But then you have other people who have the gift of evangelism, but they're not revivalists. They're gifted on that one-on-one -on -one evangelism. So uh, they're not going to get up in a pulpit. They're not going to preach a, a message. But man, they are really effective when it comes to every person they see. Hey, if you die today, where are you going to go? You know, uh, they're, they're 
gifted in evangelism in that one-on-one personal evangelism. So even in, in the gifts that we recognize, there are different dimensions to those gifts. So we need to recognize that there are multiple spiritual gifts that are, are given to us, but we also need to understand that they are then divided. They are divided or they are, are portioned among all the saints. And by saints, I mean saved people, right? Christians. I'm not using that in the, in the Catholic sense. Catholics, they, they see saints as St. Paul, St. Mary, St. This, St. Thomas, whatever. Uh, we don't recognize that. All believers are saints. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So uh, the Holy Spirit, when he comes and he moves into our lives, he moves into our hearts, he brings gifts. He brings gifts, and they are divided among the saints. They are divided among different church members. So every Christian has a spiritual gift. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, if the Spirit of God lives in you, you have at least one spiritual gift. Most likely you have multiple gifts, but you have at least one spiritual gift. Typically, we have one that really stands out above the rest, and then we have a few more others that work their way in there kind of, uh, you know, a little bit at a time. So, so every Christian has at least one spiritual gift, but not every Christian has the same gift. Not every Christian has the same gift. Not all are evangelists. Not all are the same kind of evangelists. Not all are preachers. Not all are teachers. Not all have the gift of prayer. We all pray, but we don't all have the gift of prayer, the spiritual gift of prayer. Uh, so every Christian has a gift, but, but not every Christian has the same gift. God apportions them out. He divides them out among the saints so that the church has all it needs in its membership. God has provided everything that we need, all the spiritual gifts that we need to accomplish the mission that he has given First Bastrop to accomplish. He has given us all of those gifts and, and this group of people, the membership of the church, every Christian, you are a vital member of the church. And God has gifted you to work in the church, to serve the church for the benefit of his kingdom. So, a key to the church's success in the gospel ministry is this diverse distribution of spiritual gifts. Uh, imagine a football team in, in which every player on the team was a quarterback. How good of a team would that be? Not very good. Not very good. We need a quarterback. We need linemen. We, we need uh, running backs, we need receivers, we need all of those players. We need the, de the defenders, right? We need all of those players working together, cooperating together for the good of the team. So we need that diverse distribution of gifts in the church if we're going to be successful. So you, dear Christian, have a spiritual gift, at least one spiritual gift, and your, your gift is important. Your gift is important to the ministry of the church. Your gift may not be preaching. It may not be teaching. It, it may not be uh, one of the, the higher gifts that, that you've set up in your mind as the, 
you know, we, we kind of do that. We kind of exalt different gifts over the others. You, you might have one of those inconspicuous gifts, the gift of prayer, the gift of faith. Man, those are key gifts in the life of the church. Your gift, whatever your gift is, is important to the life of the church. We need your gift. We need you to use your gift. So spiritual gifts are diversely distributed. Second, spiritual gifts are graciously given by the triune God. Spiritual gifts are graciously given by the triune God. We see this in the word for spiritual gifts. There are varieties of gifts. Gifts. We talked about this a little bit last week, but that word for gifts there is the word charisma. The Greek word charisma. And the word charisma means that which is freely and graciously given. That which is freely and graciously given. Spiritual gifts are a special or special gifts of a non-material sort bestowed through God's generosity on individual Christians. They are a generous gift. They are special gifts. They are special gifts. We need to understand that these are not talents. Spiritual gifts are not talents. Singing in itself is not a spiritual gift. Now I think singing can be a spiritual gift. But singing itself is not a spiritual gift. The, the ability to speak and, and be a good communicator in public is, is not a spiritual gift. It's not. Spiritual gifts are not talents. You see, talents are natural abilities. Now, they're a gift from God, too. They're a gift from God as well. Uh, God gives us everything. Every good gift comes from God. Even our talents, they all come from God. But spiritual gifts are different than talents. A non-believer can be a talented singer. A non-believer can be a talented speaker. A non-believer can be a great football player. Right? Those are all natural abilities, but spiritual gifts are, are special gifts. They are special gifts that, that come to us when we are converted, when we become a child of God. When the Holy Spirit moves in, He ignites that spiritual gift in us. Now, those spiritual gifts may, may enhance a natural talent. They may enhance a natural talent. That's why I say, I think that, that singing can be a spiritual gift if it's empowered by God. Larry and Sue, when they're up here and they're leading, and like Larry just a while ago sharing his heart, uh, you know, he, he's got a gift for singing, the spiritual gift of singing. Because he's not just up here using his talent. When he, when he uses his, his gift, his talent of singing, God is working through him to bring us to the throne of God, right? He, he, he's empowering that singing. It's God empowered. It's God moving through that gift to do something for the church, to draw people closer to Christ, to, to help others grow in their relationship to Christ, to draw people to Christ. You see, that's how we know it's a spiritual gift. It draws people to God. It draws people closer to God. 
So spiritual gifts are special gifts. They're special gifts. They're not, they're not just talents. They're, they're special gifts from God. They are divine gifts. They are gifts from the triune God. And we see this in this text. We see the Trinity here. Notice what he says there. There's variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of gifts and the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God. Now we see here Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this text. Of course, we see obviously the Spirit there in the first uh, with the gifts. There's the same Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Pretty obvious there. But then he says varieties of service, but the same Lord. Now, when he's talking Lord here, Paul's reference is to Jesus Christ. We know this for certain. This is often the case in the New Testament. Often when the New Testament writers talk about the Lord, uh, they're referring to Jesus Christ himself. But we see this even in the, the previous paragraph, right? Right there at the end. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And so here Paul is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. It is God. Now, often in the New Testament, when they use the, that's kind of that blanket term God, often the New Testament writers are referring to God the Father. God the Father. And that's who I think Paul is referring to here. He's including all of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the giving of the spiritual gifts. The whole Trinity is involved in giving of the gifts. The Father wills that we have the gifts. He wills them. Those come through Jesus Christ. They're only available to us because Jesus Christ came and died and was raised again for us. It's through His death, burial, and resurrection that we have the spiritual gifts. And then they come by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit applies them to us when He, he moves in. When He comes into our hearts, He applies the spiritual gifts. He, he makes them active in our lives so these are gifts from god they are gifts from god praise be to god that he empowers us to carry out the mission he has given us we can never ever ever boast in our spiritual gifts we can never boast in our spiritual gifts we can always and only Give thanks to God for them. The spiritual gifts are God's gift to us. We had nothing to do with it. We didn't earn them. Right? We didn't create them. We might can sharpen them a little bit along the way by His grace. But the spiritual gifts are God's gift to His church. So, they are graciously given. Spiritual gifts are diversely distributed. They are graciously given. And third, they are intended for service to Christ. They are intended for service to Christ. Look at our text again there. Now, 
Uh, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. That word service there is uh, diakonia. Diakonia, that or sound familiar to you. That's the same word from which we get the term deacon, the title deacon from. Deacons are servants of the church. Uh, the office of deacon is a, a servant office. Their, their role is to serve the church, to serve the membership, to serve the people of the church, to make sure people are taken care of, make sure things are, are done. Deacons are servants of the church. And, and he says that these, these gifts are service. They're, they're for service. They're to be used for service. Service to the ministry of Christ. And this ought to be common sense for us. What do we see even in Jesus, in His coming? He came not to be served, but to serve. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 through 28. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. We are called in Christ to serve. We are called to serve, to serve one another, to serve others. And God empowers us. He gifts us to carry out that service. On the night that the Lord established the Lord's Supper and He observed the Passover meal with His disciples. He started the night by washing their feet, serving them and washing them, their feet. John chapter 13, verse 12 through 15. When He had washed their feet and put on His outer garments and resumed His place, He said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call Me Teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also, also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, we need to understand Jesus is not establishing the third ordinance of the church. He is not saying that, that we have to wash literally wash one another's feet in this text that's not what he, he that's not the point he's making here the washing people's feet was one of the most mundane things to do when when people would come into your house to, to sit down and have a meal with you i mean they walked everywhere barefooted so their feet would be pretty nasty and, and so when you're lounging at table right you're laying around a table your feet's going to be in someone's face. And so when you came to, to supper time, someone needed to wash your feet for dinner time. And Jesus did the most mundane, simple service for his disciples, and he washed their feet. And so when Jesus tells us to wash one another's feet, he is saying, serve one another. We don't wash one another's feet anymore. That's not a service that we provide for one another. We don't eat with our feet in our face, right? So we don't do that, but we still have a need for service. We need to serve one another. And that's what the spiritual gifts are for. 
the spiritual gifts are for service. They're to serve one another. They're, they're to serve the church. They're to serve Christ's ministry. They're to serve Christ's ministry. There are varieties of service, but one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's His ministry. Him, him who we serve. He has given us a mission to, to go make disciples of the nations. To share the gospel with our friends and our loved ones. To see people come into the kingdom. And He has equipped us for that service. We're to serve His ministry. But we're also to serve His church. We're to serve His church. We're to serve His body. So your gift, dear Christian, is given you, has been given to you, to serve. It's to serve. It's not for your own enjoyment. It's to serve others. God did not empower you, dear friend, to sit and soak. He did not empower you to come and take up a spot in the pew every Sunday. He empowered you with a spiritual gift to serve. To serve His church. To serve His kingdom. To win souls for Christ. Serve the church. Serve Christ. So spiritual gifts are diversely distributed. They're graciously given, intended for service. And fourth, they are empowered by God. They are empowered by God. Now, look at this last little phrase here in verse 6. And there are varieties of activities, or your translation may say something like varieties of, of works, something like that. But the same God who empowers them all or works all in all. Empowers them all in everything. Now this little phrase here, this little phrase is a little bit difficult to translate, to bring over into English. The ESV, as you've heard here, it reads, God empowers, God empowers, the King James, New King James, both have something of the effect, God works all in all. The NIV say, says the same God at work. But the, the word here, the phrasing, in this context carries the meaning of making effective. Making effective. That is to say that God is not, He not only gives us our gifts, but He makes our gifts effective. He makes our gifts effective. There are a variety of activities. There are a variety of, of works taking place in the church, in the service of the Lord, in which we use our gifts. But God the Father is the one who empowers those gifts. He empowers them. He makes them effective. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, I mean, this is a guy who was an old country boy preacher and God brought him to town and, and he ended up being the first mega church pastor. I mean, really, he was the first preacher to, to have a church of thousands of people in London, England. And every Sunday, as he ascended the steps to the pulpit, he prayed, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I believe in the power of of the Holy Spirit with every step. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit because he knew no matter how gifted he might be as a preacher, as a teacher of God's word, if God did not empower his preaching, nothing would happen. No heart would be moved. No life would be changed. No life would be transformed unless God moved. And that's the way it is with every gift. If you have the gift of prayer, that means that, that when you pray, stuff happens, right? You, your prayers get answered more than, than your neighbor, right? Things happen when you pray. If, if you have the gift of prayer, it is God who empowers your prayer. You do nothing from, from uttering those words in your prayer life. No, it's God who goes out and accomplishes those prayers. If you have the gift of faith, like, like we all have faith in Jesus Christ, but some people have the gift of faith, like the, the faith to move mountains, right? They, they just believe. And things happen because they believe. But it's not because of your faith that things happen. It's the power of God that makes things happen. It's God who empowers our spiritual gifts. We need to understand that. We need to understand that it is not in us. It is God who does. Every time that I stand behind this pulpit, I work hard to prepare messages, but... If God is not here, nothing's going to happen. If God's power doesn't go out, nothing is going to happen. And man, I've seen this in my own ministry so many times. I can work hard and prepare just the perfect, uh, technically perfect message, right? And, And deliver it and everything go off well. And I think, oh man, that was good. That was good. And nothing happened. But then there's times that I have to come up here and I'm, man, I had so much going on this week and I, I just, this is kind of rough and I, it's just not where I want it to be. And Lord, you're going to have to do something. If anybody's going to be moved by this message, it's going to be you. And guess what? God moves. Some of my worst messages have had the greatest effect because it's God. It's not Richard, it's God. God empowers our spiritual gifts. So spiritual gifts are diversely distributed. They're graciously given. They're intended for service. And they are empowered by God. Fifth, spiritual gifts are a manifestation of God to the world. Spiritual gifts are a manifestation of God to the world. That is, spiritual gifts are intended to reveal God to the world. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation, the revealing of the Spirit. Yeah, our, our spiritual gifts are, are, are intended to reveal God to the world. The church is the visible body of Christ. Christ is the visible body of God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were created through Him and for Him. And then the Word became flesh. And we beheld His glory as the, only, as the glory of the only Son from the Father. Je- God, Jesus 
became the visible revelation of God. But Jesus died and was resurrected and he was raised into glory. He's no longer here. So how does the world see God? How does the world see Christ? Through the manifestation of the Spirit in the church. When we work together and when we use our spiritual gifts together, it's not to exalt First Bastrop. It's not to build a name for ourselves. It's to reveal God, reveal Christ to the world. We're His visible body. We're His visible body. And so He gives us spiritual gifts to reveal Himself, to reveal God, to reveal Christ to a lost and dying world. Let me ask you something, dear Christian. Are you using your spiritual gift to reveal Christ to a lost and dying world? If not, if you're not, if you're one who's you're a member, but you're just kind of coming in here, you're sitting and you're soaking, then a portion of the portrait is missing. We're sitting here, we're trying to paint a portrait of Christ to the world, but you're not doing your part. A portion of the portrait is missing. There's a part of the body of Christ that, that people can't see because you're not using your gift as God has given it to be used. Spiritual gifts are a manifestation, a revealing of God and a revealing of Christ to the world. Spiritual gifts are diversely distributed. They're graciously given. They're intended for service. They're empowered by God and they're a manifestation of God to the world. Finally, spiritual gifts are beneficial to the church. Spiritual gifts are beneficial to the church. They are to be a benefit for the church. To each is given, uh, the, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. Therefore, the, the good of the body, the good of the church, uh, they're not self-serving. They're not for self-service. See, that was the problem in Corinth. The people there in Corinth, some of the people, they were using their spiritual gifts to exalt themselves, to build a name for themselves. They were using it for, for selfish reasons. But spiritual gifts are not for self-exaltation. They're not to, to build your own uh, empire. They're, they're, they're not to, to build up your your, your uh, place in society. They're not for any of those things. They're for the common good. They're for the church, the benefit of the church. Now, this fall when the New Orleans Saints hit the field, if every player executes his assignment like he is supposed to do, it will be for the common good of the team, right? If Breeze throws right, if the, the receivers go out there and they do their job and they hit their patterns and they, they catch the ball, if the linemen block, if the defenders defend, it's going to be a good year for the New Orleans Saints. And so it is with the church. 
our spiritual gifts. Each person has a gift, has gifts. And those gifts are to be used for the common good of the church, for the building up of the church. I preach and teach because that's, that's the gifts that God has given me for the benefit of the church. And I, I hope that I build you up in your relationship to Christ through my preaching. Others have the gift of teaching, and you teach in, in life groups, and, and you, you invest time and study so that you can take the Word of God into that life group and, and see people built up and ministered to in the life group. Some people have the gift of hospitality, and they welcome people in the church, and they make everybody feel like they're home and feel good, right? That's for the benefit of the church. It's for building up the whole body. Your spiritual gift is for the common good. It's for the good of the whole body, the church. So when you, dear Christian, use your spiritual gift as God intended you to use them, it will be for the benefit of the whole church. I benefit when you use your gift of prayer and pray for me week after week. I benefit when you have the gift of faith and you use that gift of faith for the ministry of the church. We all benefit from one another's gifts. And so it should be. Spiritual gifts are beneficial to the body of Christ, to His church. Spiritual gifts are gifts of God to the church for the ministry of the Gospel. Now, maybe in times past you've misunderstood spiritual gifts. Maybe you just didn't understand them very well. Or, maybe you just haven't used your spiritual gifts. You understand spiritual gifts. Maybe you even have identified your spiritual gifts. You know what they are. But you haven't been using them. You haven't been putting them into service for Christ. You haven't been using them for the benefit, the good of the church, the body. You haven't been using them in the gospel ministry. Then today I pray that you would repent repent turn away from not using your gifts turn away from just coming and sitting and soaking turn away from your inactivity and turn to use your gifts for the glory of christ and the building up of his church use them today put them into service Commit to that today. Now for some, whether you're here or you're watching on live stream or, or listening on, on a podcast or, or whatever, you don't have a spiritual gift because you've never trusted in Christ. I want you to know that Christ loves you. And He went to Calvary's cross. He came to this earth he walked this earth and lived in a complete obedience to the Father's will. He did what you could never do. And he went to Calvary's cross willingly. And he died there for your sins. So that if you would trust in him, he would save you from your sins. 
and he has been raised again, and he lives and reigns in, in heaven above. And he will send the Spirit to live in you and to gift you and empower you for his service. But only if you'll trust in him. Will you trust in Christ today? Will you give your life to him? Will you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord today? If you do, he will save you. Will you trust him today? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you have empowered us to serve you. You have called us into service. And you have empowered us for that service. And we praise you and thank you for everything that you have given us to do, Lord. Lord, just pray that we would be faithful. That you would empower us, you would move us to be faithful to use the gifts you have given us for your kingdom and your glory. And Lord, I do pray. Certainly there are those who are out there who are lost, who have never trusted in Jesus. And Lord, my prayer for them today is that you would just turn their heart today. Come into them, change them. Let them see Jesus for the first time. May they trust in him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.